Hello and welcome to episode 1083 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, August 9th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning to you. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, I apologize ahead of time to anybody who's... Uh, everybody's listening, because obviously you're listening if you're listening. Um, I had, uh, as I had mentioned last week, I had dental surgery, a major dental surgery, uh, and I'm still kind of learning how to talk. Yes. So <laughs> I can understand uh, you, but I knew there was a difference there. Yeah, you went under some big, you're getting a big uh, transformation there, so you're going through mm -hmm. some steps. But the pain you uh, you dealt with there, because, you know, for people that don't know your history, painkillers are not an option. And yeah. So uh, you had you had to go cold turkey on it. How's that part of it been? Yeah, that's been okay. Like, um, I, surprisingly, it's uh, it hasn't been as big of an issue as I thought it was going to be. So I've been able to maintain pretty well. It's mostly just uh, I'm going to lose a lot of weight because I can't really eat. Um, and, uh, the upside, right? You're like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get fit, right? You know, uh, um, hot dad summer, whatever they're calling it, right? <laughs> so, uh, uh, and then um, yeah, I. Uh, I can't really talk perfectly, so I'm, I'm getting better at it. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully by the next time we talk, I'll be able to use my uh, my new like contraption that yes. allow me to actually pronounce my s's. When are you getting that? By the way, I've actually got it. I'm just waiting for them to okay me to use it. To, so to use it, okay. I, I've got an appointment tomorrow, so ho well, hopefully, I can yeah, so, yeah. I so mean, we're we're good. Let's just not talk about anybody like Jose Suarez. <laughs> Well, we are going to talk Jose Suarez. We're going to talk some other news. Uh, we're going to talk some news. Viability of a handful of starters who went last night. There were five guys who we got to talk about their 12-15 team. They're kind of straddling that line. I want to see where you're at. And then a handful of hot hitters who have been on the rise since around July 1st. A little bit of an arbitrary cutoff, but just kind of looking at the last month or so. Because if you take out the break, even though you know July 1st to August 9th, it's more of a month of game time when it comes to the all-star break as opposed to five weeks. So let's get into the news this morning. This broke, man, things just go bad to worse with Chris sale and the way things have changed for him and, and how he's viewed and not as well liked anymore. And now this is happening. He hurts himself on his bike, fracturing his wrist. His season is now over. Chris sale is going to be 34 next year, Justin. Is he done as an effective, consistent starter in the majors? Meaning, let's say a minimum of 130 innings, 20 something starts. Like, can can he still get to that level at 34? Yeah, I don't think he's done by any stretch of imagination. And I think, uh, kind of the what we've seen over the last few years. I mean, obviously, the Tommy John's the Tommy John, right? Mm -hmm. um, guys get it and guys come back from it. I mean, we're seeing Verlander come back from it at like 75, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, and like, you know, the other thing, you know, a lot of these other injuries are super fluke, right? I mean, falling off your bike. Um, Getting hit by the batted ball to break the yeah, finger in the first place. Yeah, like, um, I think he's going to be a massive bargain coming into next season. Well, he won't uh, cost much of anything. It's exactly. Be a very late pick for Chris Sale, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talk, you know, coming into the season, we were talking about like who's going to be this year's Robbie Ray, um, you know, and and I think I think the Heaney pick was, was pretty right, by the way. What the Heaney pick was pretty oh. right. Like he got hurt, and I know that was yours. Oh, yeah. you know, a, lot, a lot of people went the Heaney route, you know, going to the Dodgers. So, like, where do you come out on that though? Like, twenty-eight innings is so tiny, but he's been so elite. Do we call that partial credit as far as identifying this year's Robbie Ray? 
No, because I think the the real answer is Kyle Wright. Like, I mean, you know, that's, I mean, he's the guy that everybody kind of gave up on. And I know he didn't follow the same path as yeah. Robbie Ray, but like, he's like, he's I guess because I didn't give up on him. I'm like, wait a minute. What? I, you know, I, I, I liked Kyle Wright, but I, I hear you on that. Like he came out of nowhere and he's not necessarily going to win a Cy Young, but Robbie Ray's Cy Young didn't really get going. The story didn't start getting written mm -hmm. until about August. So maybe Kyle Wright has a killer two months. I'm sorry about sale though. You're going to say next year he might, he's going to be in the chatter for the, the 2023 Robbie Ray. Yeah. Cause I think he's going to go outside the top 150. And if that's he's the case, that's, I mean, that's just pure profit. I mean, he was really good when he was on the mound. Like it's, I'm, I don't think there's any reason to think he can't be really good. You know, and if he comes with that discount, then it's worth the risk of him getting injured again. I don't think this okay. necessarily makes him injury prone. And yet, you think Mitch Hanniger is injury prone? Unbelievable! How dare you? <laughs> guy busts his wiener and you're out. You're getting you're on his case. I, I what saw, about this I guy? Saw, I saw a stat the other day um, that said uh, Mar the Mariners have had more ruptured testicles in their franchise history than playoff appearances. <laughs> Two to one. It's like I think five to four. Oh my god, they have five. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I can only think of Beltran. Hey, I don't want to talk about anybody else. Don't bring up anybody else. What about uh, Matt Carpenter? This one's super sad because he fractured his foot. His season's probably over, and you do have to wonder about him. He spiked a big 154 plate appearance run with the Yankees. Just really went in the lab. Was taking bits from everybody to try to remake himself. And now here we are. It gets cut short. Does he come back next year knowing, like, hey, there's still something in the tank? What do you think of a 37-year-old next year, Matt Carpenter? Yeah, I mean, you got to think the Rockies will give him a 10-year contract. So, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think he's – Yeah, he'll, he'll get a deal somewhere, I think. Um, yeah. You know, it may not be, like, a guaranteed, like, um, you know, role necessarily. But the fact that he played multiple positions, what he did this year, I think he's definitely going to get another shot. I think – I mean, it's just a huge bummer. Because he was on pace to be the pickup of the year. Um, yes. If you don't, if you don't include Kyle Wright in that, yes. um, you know, uh, the you hitting mean, pickup yeah, he, of the year. I mean, three hundred five, four twelve, seven twenty seven, with fifteen homers and one hundred and fifty four plate appearances for Carpenter. He yeah. was killing it. Yeah, but yeah, him and Brandon Drury, like, are the two pickups yes. of the year, I think. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, so I think he'll get another shot if he wants to keep playing. I mean, obviously, I think he does. He seems to really love the game, and um, mm -hmm. Yankee fans love him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in New York, um, kind of in that same role. Uh, you know, it's a perfect stadium for for him, and definitely. Um, you know, it just depends on how good or how big of a role he wants, right? Because he could go yeah. to, um, a team like Colorado or Colorado is probably a bad example, but you go to a team like Miami and get full-time playing time. Um, he's not going to get that in New York. So, uh, you know, it kind of just depends on what he's looking for to finish out his career. Does he want a ring or does he want uh, the most playing time or, and or most money that he can get from a contract? Yeah. We'll see on that with Matt Carpenter. It sucks that this is the way it ends, but uh, I agree. I don't, I don't think he'll be gone. He showed he had some life this year. Jonathan India could return on Tuesday from a hamstring injury. He's been horrible this year. And so, you know, they're trying to be careful with him. They don't want to push it because obviously they're not going anywhere. Seven homers, two steals, 249, 309, 396. Did we jump the gun or is this an injury-addled season 
and that's that's really all there is to it with with India. How, how do you feel about Jonathan India based on what we've seen thus far? Yeah, I mean, I think this is just injury plague. You know, I mean, he's got a 147 ISO. Um, you know, his 249 batting average, like in today's game, isn't actually bad. Um, you know, his you know underlying you know numbers on the short sample, like there's nothing wrong with them necessarily. Yeah, the um, only thing I see I, is the walk rate dropping from 11 to 5%. You got anything on why that might be? Is he attacking more because he's trying to make up for lost time? I mean, it's yeah, it's 236 I mean, plate appearances. Swing percentage is up um, about 4%. Like, okay. So he's just been a little bit more aggressive. It may just be a matter of like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm back finally, and then he's out, and then I'm back finally, and like I want to swing, I want to get up there and hack. Exactly. Um, you know, and he's also playing on a team where like, there's, you know, probably not a ton of reason for him to worry about, like, hey, we need to manufacture. This team sucks. Like, you know, so he's just yeah. doing what he wants to do um, when he gets up the plate. Like, I don't have real, like, it's not like he's swinging. I mean, his, his you know, O swing has gone up for sure. Um, so he is just swinging more, swinging more outside the zone, more inside the zone. But it's not, like, egregious. We're not, I mean, he's not even at a 30% O swing percentage. So, like, I'm not super worried about, like, him longer he's another guy like he's gonna be as long as he's healthy if he finishes the year out healthy um he's healthy coming into spring i think he's gonna be a really good discount next year um and that people aren't really gonna you know people are gonna kind of just like oh all right maybe he just had a one-year wonder type thing i don't I think fully agree with that i'll be in on the buyback there unless the thing that could change that is if he rallies in the last six weeks mm-hmm and if he goes off, they might be, okay, everyone's back on India. But if not, if he kind of meanders, I'm with you. I'm jumping in. Let's jump out to Oakland. One of the guys that they could have considered trading was Sean Murphy because he's got some team control. He could have netted something. He's having a great year. And they've got Shea Langliers coming up. And the rumor is that he's going to make his debut soon. Now, it's not an official situation, but it's uh, been suggested that he's going to make his debut sometime this season is Shay Langlier somebody that you would try to jump the curve on, or do you come out similar to where I'm at on rookie catchers? And I'm like, eh, you know, Adley's an exception, but for the most part, I don't know. 19 homers, five steals in Vegas for uh, four Langliers with a 281, 362, 513. What do you think about him? Well, again, we don't know when he's going to get called up, but he's supposed to make his debut. Is there any league where you would try to jump this ahead of time for Langliers? I mean, you know, obviously American League only if he's still like sticking around, uh, especially a two catcher American League only. Um, I don't know that in a 15 teamer, I mean, unless your catching situation is atrocious, and I've seen some atrocious catching situations out there. Um, you and I were just talking about a trade I made in Tout Wars uh, earlier this week uh, to, to move an extra catcher because so many teams in, in Tout has uh, such bad catching situations. So, like, I get it. Like, um, he, I don't think he profiles as, like, a fantasy stud. Like, I think he's going to be a really good behind-the-plate catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's going to hold his own offensively. Um, you know, so maybe, like, in a full season, we're talking, like, 20, potentially 20 home runs with a good batting average. So, like, that plays. But, like, like he's not, like, the next elite catcher coming up. Like, you know, he's not, like, Melendez, like, potentially could be in fantasy or Rutschman or one of these guys. I don't, I don't think at least. Um, so he does have a little bit of speed, stole five bases um, in triple a. 
don't don't look at the power numbers in AAA and think that's what he's going to be because people are going to see Vegas. the 300 plus plate appearances and 19 home runs. Yeah, because it's Las Vegas. Las Vegas is a launching pad for those that don't know. Yeah, you got to be careful with that with Shea Langliers. And again, I don't really try to jump many rookie catchers. He does not mm -hmm. clear a bar for me. No thanks on Shailene. I'll see what happens when he comes up. I might jump on him then, but I'm not trying to get this early and, and time it. All right, let's talk about the viability of some, some fringe starters who've been pitching well. Let's start with the battle in Oakland last night between Jose Suarez and Cole Irvin. Both guys have been pitching well of late. Let's start with Suarez. He's the more available guy because Irvin's been doing it a bit uh, a bit more consistently this year. Suarez is now down to a 404 ERA 138 whip, so it doesn't jump out as great. The recent work uh, has been better for Suarez. Now they're still they're still running a six man. I'm pretty sure, even though mm -hmm. you might not know four four of the dudes be, be, besides uh, uh, Otani and, and Sandoval. If you're if you're not familiar with Suarez and company, but he is cooking. His last three have been great. We've seen flashes of of intrigue from Suarez before. He's a 24 year old lefty. Are you interested in Jose Suarez going forward? So there's kind of good news and bad news, right? Okay. Um, the good news is there's a great article, and I linked it in the Roto Write-Up, about how Suarez kind of reshaped his changeup. Um, okay. And he's throwing his slider more uh, over kind of this uh, stretch. And uh, the, the changeup looks back to being what it was when he was kind of coming up and people were excited about him potentially, like, being a real viable uh, and maybe even good starter at the major league level. And then he just lost it. Like, I don't know um, if he just had issues with grip or um, just, just struggled in general. And he, he re he worked with a pitching coach, reworked it. It looks fantastic. Um, I watched start last night. Uh, so I had both Irvin and, uh, and, or, and uh, Suarez going in a number of leagues. So um, the bad news is, the level of competition he's faced recently is like minor league. I mean, he's, he's gotten the A's twice um, and the Royals. So yeah. like this stretch has been great. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm definitely pumped and eight strikeouts last night was really impressive. Like all four mm -hmm. of his pitches had above a 30% CSW, um, which is great. I, it's what you want to see. Um, and like I said, He's, he's throwing the fastball less. He's throwing the slider more. Uh, that being said, um, when he goes and faces some, like, good competition, that's when I want to kind of see what's going on. Now, his next two starts are not bad. He got, he's got he got Seattle uh, yeah. next week in Tampa Bay. Yeah, um, in Tampa Bay. So um, those are really good starts to kind of continue to ride with it. But then it looks like if everything stays on track, obviously things can switch around. He would get Toronto. Um, so I, that. Yeah, you're not going to do that one. So, But I think you can ride with him for a little while right now um, and kind of make him a team streamer. Team streamer, uh, agreed. Um, especially in leagues where uh, you're okay just getting one start a week because yes. you're never going to get a second start. I mean, he Unless started, they get seven games and he starts on a Monday, which yeah, is a pretty He, he, start, he started on Monday. He started on Monday this week. He's going to start on Monday next week. Like, yep. you know, he's just never going to get that, that seventh year, that second start in a week. Um, so, uh, and when he does, it means he's not going to get any starts the next week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, 
Yeah, I like him too. rotations suck, but uh, I, I, yeah. I agree. Uh, it might protect somebody like Suarez a little bit, but you want to try to get those two steps sometimes. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think 12 team and 15, he's a team streamer. Tens, you might only be using them against like the Oaklands and the KCs of the world. So I don't know with Jose Suarez in tens, but 12s and above, I think there is some value there. Now, Cole Irvin is a lot more um, heavily regarded, of course. He's, he's, a, he's the 48th pitcher this year on the player Raider. Uh, 46th, excuse me, I sold him short. 62% uh, at Yahoo, 43% at ESPN. He's his standard finesse self again, and that's why those numbers don't usually creep to the high end, even with a 292 ERA and a 103 whip. But are those no, are those ratios just too good, and Cole Irvin is is underutilized at Yahoo at 62 and ESPN at 43%? What do you think of Cole Irvin? Oh, man. Um, this one's hard because, like, you look at his schedule and you go – he has only faced really good teams and really bad teams. Like, he has not, like, faced a lot of, like, the middle of the pack in the American League. He gets a lot, of, a lot of Houston, some Yankees, Toronto, and then it's, like, a bunch of, you know, Tampa Bay's offense and uh, Texas, and it's hard. There's so much that can go wrong with this profile, like, in, in such a short period of time. And, like, you look at some of the ERA indicators, and they're pretty scary um, with a guy with a 2.92 ERA and a, a 4.37 XERA um, and a 4.21 XFIP. Uh, like, at the same time, like, he's he makes it work because he, you know, limits hard contact Um but, like, he gives up so much contact. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, you know, 87.5% in the zone contact, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, league average around 85. Um, he doesn't have overwhelming stuff. He doesn't get no. strikeouts. 17% um, K rate for Irvin with that 292 ERA. I didn't start him in some leagues this week, even on a two-step with the first one being good because he gets – Houston for the next one. Um, I don't blame you. That's tough. But he's been good against Houston. This year. No, I know That's he's hard. crushed them. I mean, he's been good against everyone. Um, yeah, he really has. Um, I think it's one of those where you he kind of, um, if you really need ratio stabilization, like you just kind of close your eyes and pray and just um, go for it with Cole Irvin. I, yeah, I feel like there has to be some massive regression coming at some point. Um, it just hasn't happened yet, and I mean. It's not that he might run out. Yeah, like we don't have that much time left. Like it's you know, and um, you know, I think you know one of the things we talk, but we try to harp a lot at this time of year is ratios still move. Um, exactly. You know? And so, like, if you need ratio help, he's one of the few guys that you're going to widely find on these you know shallow wires um, that can do that. So, like, yeah, I mean. I mean, how much different is he than like Miles Mikolas? Like, who? It's not that different. He has great park to play in. Yeah, it, it is in that he's just same on a worse skill team. set. He's just on a much worse team, both from an offense and defensive support. Mm -hmm. He's a 166 ERA at home with a .87 whip, 458, 125 on the road. So, you know. Cole Urban, if you if you want to just start him at home, that's probably the best way to play it. Maybe some of the easier road matchups that you feel comfortable with. But um, I think, and I know 10s are different, but 
the difficulty of streaming this year leads me to believe that he should probably be rostered in more than 62% of Yahoo, 43% of ESPN leagues for Cole Urban. But I get it. He doesn't miss bats. And so, yeah. and he's a home only kind of guy. So it's a little scary. Let's try to talk about some, let's talk about somebody with a little bit more dominance to him, but still kind of missing that, like that, that dominance level that would make you feel super confident in Keegan Thompson, but he shows flashes. Now, yesterday I actually liked him for under his strikeout prop, which was four and a half strikeouts because the Nats for as bad as they are, Justin, they don't strike out. So be careful with that in DFS when you're – now, if, if it's a legit strikeout guy, yes, I'm sure they will. But those fringe guys, I'm sure Keegan Thompson was used in DFS last night because of Washington. And he did fine. Six innings, one run, five hits, no walks. But only three punchies. Um, that's the thing with, with Thompson. He doesn't have overpowering stuff. Uh, a little bit better than Irvin's. But is Keegan Thompson somebody that you've been looking at on the wire – as a potential help, 336 ERA, 124 whip. Not as flashy of numbers, but a lot more widely available. What do you think of Keegan Thompson? Yeah, I, I like Thompson. I kind of wonder what happened to the swing and miss, though, because, I mean, he was a guy who had been, you know, um, strike out an inning, you know, all throughout, you know, pretty much throughout the minors and, um, you know, in his brief sample in the majors last year. And uh, his swing strike rate has just slowly gotten – you know, smaller and smaller to the point where now he's not even, you know, rel- he's not really that close to I'm a strikeout and hitting type of guy. Um, and it's supported. Uh, again, another guy who gives up a ton of contact. Um, I think he can get away with it in that division um, where you've got some pretty good parks to pitch in and some pretty bad bottom feeder teams. Uh, and I think the fact that he's shown in the past that he can strike guys out um, and this maybe feels like maybe it's a little bit of a conscious decision to try to pitch to, you know, contact, get the ground ball or get the weak contact and get out. Um, that maybe there is another level at some point, you know, uh, but I think right now he's kind of in that, you know, back into your roster team streamer guy. Um, you know, you're playing matchups with uh, in 15s and 12s. Uh, and really, in 10s and 12s, you can probably stream him off your roster when he's got a bad matchup coming up. Totally see that. Um, I'm totally with that as far as Keegan Thompson goes, team streamer type, um, standard streamer maybe in, in certain format depths. And, he, you know, he's showed strikeout stuff more as a reliever. And he hasn't quite brought it to the starting 9.4 K9 as a reliever for his career, 7.6 as a starter. I agree, though, that maybe he can bring some of that strikeout stuff back to starting as he gets more and more comfortable with it. He only has 21 major league starts. Mm-hmm. Going forward, Keegan Thompson gets, uh, let's see, he gets at Cincy at the end of this week and then Milwaukee next week. Would you yeah, I'm probably, I'm going probably starting it for both of those in, in like in 15s for sure. In 12s, yeah. I think, uh, depending on what your other options are. I mean, at Cincinnati is a little bit scary just because of the park, but not a huge it's, homer or fly ball guy though. So yeah, he, and he that lineup and that lineup isn't that great. They do strike yeah. out a lot too. It's, it's tough park, but yeah, he could spike some K's and do all right there. It, it's a risk with the Keegan Thompson there, but I understand that. And then at home against Milwaukee, I would like that as well. Mm-hmm. Another guy who's <clears throat> kind of a mix between the two, I would say, between Keegan Thompson and Cole Irvin. If we're working on the same spectrum here in the middle, you might find a Jordan Lyles, <clears throat> the veteran. 
crafty righty, uh, 435 ERA, 144 whip. But he's found bouts of fantasy usefulness because somebody, and I'm wondering if maybe he was the impetus behind the new wall and, and he helped <laughs> construct it. I think with architect behind it, we need to find who was the contractor on that wall. <laughs> because if it was a Jay Lyles, I'm going to have a lot of questions because he's like, yo, this is my ticket. Uh, 10 starts at home, 273 ERA, but still a 142 whip. So he should probably be worse, but he's probably getting some key outs with that left field. That's helping him on the road, 570, 147. Do you know how many home run, the home run differential between ro- home and run? I got to imagine like 10 or 12. It's three home home runs to 15 road home runs. There, like, I mean, exactly. It's, That's it's the difference right real. there. So uh, do you feel comfortable with that then starting Jordan Lyles at home? He had a two-step this week with home against Toronto, and he was okay. You know, he was fine yesterday. He did all right. But then at Tampa Bay next week or uh, on the weekend, was that enough for you to jump in on Lyles where available? Or what do you think of home only with him, uh, even though he yeah. has Tampa Bay this weekend? Yeah, he's like the opposite of like uh, – or the Orioles are like the opposite of the Rockies, right? Like you don't want to start anybody at home for the Rockies – but you want to start everybody at home as long as they're not going up against like the Yankees. Sure. Um, like, you know, you want to kind of, you still want to curate your, you know, your matchups a little bit, but yeah, I mean, if Tampa Bay's coming to town or even Boston's coming to town, like I'm not super worried about like starting an Orioles starter there. Like, I mean, it's just, they do not give up home runs. They don't give up the long ball there. Yeah, do I think Jordan Lyles is good by any stretch of the imagination? No, I actually, he was a guy that I targeted in, dynasty leagues where i was rebuilding because i was like he's gonna get a lot of innings for me to get my innings limit but he's gonna be bad well that has yeah. backfired um in, he's in been certain fine. regards he's been fine so fine um, yeah. and i want to amend by the way i don't think he's in between those two he's further down yeah the the spectrum there i think both those other guys are better um uh, uh irvin well all three suarez irvin and thompson i think are all better there i just want to amend that take on uh on jordan lyles yeah, so he's, you, he's, you would pick him up. For, would you pick him up for the trip to Tampa Bay though? Because that's not a bad place to pitch, even though he's bad on the road. I because then you get the Cubs next week. So if you're in a daily moves league, would you pick up Lyles now? Take on the at Tampa to get the home against Chicago next week, like in a 12 team, or does it have to be 15 team? I think it still needs to be 15 teams. Um, I think so too. He's been so bad on the road. I mean, the 570 yeah. ERA and that whip 15. at home sucks, dude. 142 yeah. still. So mm-hmm. be careful with Jordan Lyles. I think if, yeah, if you've back. got some whip issues, then yeah, then you may not want to even trust trust it at all. I agree. I agree. Let's talk about Alex Wood. He is a higher end version of uh, like a Suarez, I would say. I like Alex Wood. Uh, health is usually the biggest issue with him. He's at 417, 120 this year with the ERA and whip. It's not great, but it's not terrible. Underlying numbers say that there's better there, 342 FIP. Eight wins, um, 110 strikeouts in 112 and a third innings. He's still pretty available right now. 56 Yahoo, 65 ESPN. Is Alex Wood somebody you're streaming in 10s and 12s right now? Uh, coming off the good start at San Diego last night, he gets Pittsburgh on the weekend, which is an easy mm-hmm. yes, but trip to Colorado pending the following week. Yeah, I think he's more than a streamer. Um, I, you Team know, streamer, he, though? Would you? Would you – start him in Colorado or would you sit Alex Wood for the Colorado start after picking him up for the Pittsburgh one? I'm probably going to sit him in Colorado, depending on your other options, you know, how deep of league you're going. But um, 
I mean, he's been really, really good. He has been let down by what has been a really atrocious defense this year. One of the worst in the league. Um, and, uh, and just getting really just bad luck. Like, you know, uh, you know, on, you know, I don't know. I'm looking up his Babbitt real quick. Yeah, his Babbitt's not super high or anything like that, but, um, he's just been really, really unlucky. Like he's just, he's pitched really, really well for the giants and, um, the results just haven't been there. Uh, you know, in the same way that I think Alex Cobb gets a lot of like the headlines on that. But he's been really, really unlucky as well, um, you know. Uh, so I, I think I would continue to ride with him in most starts. Uh, you know, poor, poor Danielle. Uh, my wife started or uh, had him and Suarez on his, uh, her bench oh, um, last night. Two gems um, in one zero wins. Yeah, yeah. So uh, good news for me because I don't want her to beat me at TGFBI, even though she's going to. Um, but uh, that's a good was, staff when you can uh, when you can have those guys on the bench. Yeah, she's like, I just don't know how to make that decision. Like, how do you do it? I was like, I don't have decisions to make. Like, <laughs> that's I don't the thing. Have, I don't. A have lot a of times, good, yeah, my team isn't good. I'm not making decisions. I'm just surviving. Yeah, I'm just going with who's who doesn't have red next to their name. Sometimes mm-hmm. yeah. I was in a good position earlier in the year, and I didn't take it for granted and be like, oh, I will have starting depth all year. But there were times, and it allowed me to be a little bit more um, judicious with a Paul Blackburn, for example, mm-hmm. because I was actually running some starters depth in our in our main. As it does, it dried up. Um, you know, Ian Anderson fell apart. Michael Kopech is terrifying. Gibson, you were mad about my Kyle Gibson pick, dude. He's a loser. He's back to a normal. Hey, self. his last start was great. He almost it was did great. A perfect game. It, it was great, and I did have it in. But uh, yeah, mid four ZRA with a good whip. He is who he is. Is basically what it is. Yeah. I should have cut him after those first two starts. But yeah, yeah, so you know, it ends up drying up. But I do like Alex Wood um, and Cobb. They've both been super unlucky this year. But that defense. Don't just look at that and say, well, they've been unlucky. They'll get better. That defense is second to only the Nats in terms of awfulness. Outs above average, Nats are minus 44, which is hilarious because the next worst are the Giants at minus 31. So there's a pretty big gap between the two. Just for context, the top two teams are the Astros at 27 outs above average and the Padres at 24. Um, And then if you really zero in on it, you go on the infield, um, the Giants are a little bit better there at minus 13, but that's where somebody like a Cobb and a Wood are both getting hurt because they can keep the ball down and, and deliver playable contact, but the team just isn't doing anything with it. And then in the outfield, y'all are the legit worst, minus 17, only the White Sox are close. You, you have to wonder like how much of this like massive platooning stuff, especially because like people like they've done a great job with platooning from an offensive standpoint, but exactly. they've been really bad defenders. I mean, like they've had outfields with like your man Mercedes and Darren Ruff in the same outfield. Um, and you just can't do that, especially in a place like San Francisco where the wind swirl is a big outfield to begin with. Yep. Right field is such a difficult, you know, uh, field, uh, fence to play off of. Um, like, I, I, I don't like, I, I understand what they're trying to do to maximize their offense, but they doing, they're doing it at the, um, you know, at the cost the of, their of their defense. defense. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's, that wasn't there last year, though. In fairness, you know, they were doing all the same platoon stuff. They were fifth in outs above average. That's the volatility of defense year to year, I think, is, is definitely part of it. And obviously, there's different guys. These are not the exact same guys yeah. being rolled out, but they're all a year older, too. So even the guys who are pretty decent at defense, I mean, the youngest guy there is Joey Bart, 
at 26, everyone in the field is 27 or older and mm -hmm. a lot of them well into their 30s. So that's a big part of it for the Giants. And it is not even Crawford and Longoria. I mean, they've been banged up all year long. They're good defenders. They're, yep. they're back now. So maybe the infield defense becomes better. Um, but that yeah, I'm still sticking defense. with both Alex's because the talent is still there and I'm hoping yeah. to get lucky, get a little bit of regression there. All right. Let's talk about some hot hitters on the rise here as we uh, get into the home stretch. Jose Miranda. Now, when he came up, he was one of those guys that, Hey, let's go out and get him in every format standard, uh, you know, prototypical start to a rookie career. Didn't get going right away. Starts popping up on waiver wires. I don't blame anybody who cut him. You, you know, if you let, let him go through May, 176, 208, 324 with two homers in 77 plate appearances. That's not a huge sample, but you don't have that much time in today's game to really sit back and, and relax. So if you cut him after a month, I get it. He gave was three weeks. It was his first 21 games there in May. If you started cutting him around then, I understand. However, it did prove to be the wrong move. Since then, mm -hmm. since June 1st, 325, 378, 542 with nine homers and 40 ribbies. That's a full season pace of 29, 130 from Miranda. So he's driving in runs like crazy. What do you think about Jose Miranda? Where were you when he first came up? And, and how do you feel now that he's uh, he's panning out and cooking? Oh, man. Like, uh, I, I thought he was an interesting guy. I just was worried about what the playing time situation was going to look like once they got guys healthy. Um, luckily for him, like none of their guys can stay healthy. Like, you know, Sano's exactly. done for the year, um, Kirloff's done for the year. Uh, and he has such a good ability to just make contact because, mm -hmm. and he needs to have that because he swings all the time. Like he, he does not he, walk. He's here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, him and him and Luis Arise are like, Hey, we're like we're not gonna see a pitch. So like <laughs> if you guys were hoping to like be able to like learn stuff from us taking pitches, you're not gonna learn you're not nah. gonna learn crap. Um I mean he swings over 50% of the time generally. Um and in the zone he swings 74% of the time. Whew. That I mean that is astronomical, but he makes a ton of contact. We're talking about a uh, a guy with power with a 90% zone contact percentage. That's, you know, it's for a, a guy, combo. for, yeah, for a power guy, like that's pretty close to being elite. So it, it's why I fell in love with uh, Michael Franco all those years, though. Mm -hmm. It was that he had good contact with Pop. Um, Miranda so far has been looking good. I'm, I'm excited about him, though. Maybe he can be what Franco never could be for me. Yeah. Um, you know, my only concern with him is with Miranda. How much with Miranda is like, how much power do we end up actually seeing? Yeah. Um, Fair question. Because he puts a lot of the stuff on the ground. Um, like, I think he is probably like a swing tweak. Um, like keep the same approach, but put a little bit more loft in your swing, like being a potential monster in fantasy. Yeah. He's um, not quite Yandy Diaz though. 43% ground ball no. rate is livable, but I hear you. If he really wants to maximize what Miranda can do, Maybe a little bit extra loft in that just swing, a, a tiniest bit. Like it does. Yep. It doesn't need to be like he's got a fourteen degree launch angle. If he can get that like closer to twenty, like we're talking about a guy that could hit two eighty, um, maybe even close to three hundred in some you know in Babbitt Field years mm -hmm. with like potential 25, 30 home runs. But right as we speak now, he's probably a low twenties guy um, with a good batting average, which is fine. Like, but Take it's not. Yeah, it's not like 
it's not what you're really looking for for that prospect that came up. Like, you're going to take it. I'm going to take that over. You know, I, I spent $300 on uh, Nolan Gorman. I would have much rather gotten uh, what Jose Miranda's given me. A little um, bit cheaper, yeah. Not that Gorman's been bad, but no. um, he, he just hasn't been. He hasn't I mean, been the league winner. It's like 10, something like that. 10 or 11. Yeah, 12. And you oh, okay. probably got 10 of them then. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's fine. But, like, he's also hitting, like, 249. I'd much rather have the 280 that Miranda's yeah. giving you. I like Miranda a lot. I'm interested. Obviously, if he finishes strong, he'll be a hot breakout pick for next year. So it'll really depend on where he finishes to know if I'm going to be in on, on paying the premium because it, it the last two months will dictate how high that premium is on Miranda. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to a degree, but if it ends up getting too high, I'll probably back off and let others – pay the premium for this season luckily guy, he'll be double eligible at first and third that'll be nice double corners there mm-hmm. um and i like having him at third with miranda from minnesota mm-hmm. a guy we talked about a lot in the preseason and i remember zeroing in on this and i gotta be honest i didn't end up parlaying it into enough uh outside of one team that i got dj lemayhew on but we i remember bringing up that roster resource had him on the bench and that that was creating a discount because everyone uses roster resource. So everyone was looking at that thinking, LeMahieu's not going to start, LeMahieu's not going to start. And while I almost universally agree with what Jason does at, at, at uh, roster resource, I did not agree with any notion that DJ LeMahieu wouldn't be a full-time starter. Um, might bounce around all the time, mm-hmm. but I thought he'd be a full-time starter. I didn't pounce on the discount enough, though. And the major reason was... I had both my first baseman that I liked late and my utility guys. And so he was one of those guys that was consistently on my list. All right. But I'd be like, Oh, I'll do somebody else here. And then if he makes it back, I'll get him there. You know, I, I wasn't attacking and I wish I would have, because there was a fat discount and DJ LeMay, who's been amazing this year, 12 homers, four steals, 290 average. The average came back and that's really the key difference here. LeMay, has been uh, very strong this year. Overall, he is the 66th player with triple eligibility and uh, you know, nothing major. The homers aren't major. The steals aren't major, but it's all good. Just across the board, triple eligible. Did you end up parlaying that uh, potential discount there from the uh, assumption that he would be a non-starter? Did you end up using that to get any DJ LeMayhew? I did. Um, you know, this has been one of my better calls of the year. And my, my rallying cry was why draft uh, uh, Wander Franco when you can get him, you know, 70 picks later with triple eligibility, um, yeah, in, in DJ LeMahieu. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been great. Uh, you know, he, I think people, I think people confuse like the idea that like, Oh, he's not going to be that guy that hits 300 and gets 20 something home runs again with like not being extremely valuable from hitting exactly. the top of a fantastic lineup with a great batting average and being triple eligible at the same time and not being a zero in home runs. Like he's going to finish with like, 16 17 home runs yeah. and uh a 300 batting average and 100 runs scored and he was triple eligible he helped you out all season long and kind of plugging holes especially in a year like this where there's been so many injuries yeah um yeah i think he's just one of those guys and i don't think he's gonna get enough credit like i think people are gonna go back back to being like eh dj may whatever because he'll be 34 next year too so now the ageism is countering mm-hmm the production right yet last year it was okay he's coming off a bad year he was a fluke which i don't think really checked out i thought last year was pretty explainable it seemed like he played through injury 
again, I didn't get him everywhere, so I'm not here taking the mega victory lap like I was all over it. But it did look a little fishy that that price was being dropped and yeah. and that this guy was not somebody who was cooked. And he's been amazing for folks. Uh, and everyone that bought back in on him got a find with DJ LeMay he's, here. He's signed through 2025. He could age brilliantly, though, too. He is. I mean, he's yeah. 34. He's, you know, exactly. He's, so he, he already is, and he could continue to age brilliantly. Mm -hmm. um, and he might be one of those guys that's just a discount the next three years because everyone doesn't – waiting, you know, the hot potato, right? You don't want to be caught mm -hmm. holding the bag so the discount becomes enough to where – you jump in if you're comfortable. Let's yep. go on the other end of the age spectrum. Talk Alec Bohm, 25-year-old, a guy that we liked a couple years ago, coming off the short in 2020, fell for it a little bit. Uh, last year was a flop big time. This year he's he's back, though. He's solid. He's not off, off the charts. He's a little bit LeMahieu-y in, uh, in that 293 average, 328 OBP, 413 slug. Not as much power, though. Eight homers, 56 runs, 45 ribbies, one for three on the bases. How do you feel about Bohm these days? Like I said, we went through it where we where we were in. We backed off after last year. Uh, have you jumped back in on Bohm as as somebody you like? Yeah, I mean, I felt like he was a, a good buy low opportunity guy uh, coming into the season. I, I wish I'd gotten him more, um, but usually by the time we got to like, the end of the draft, which is where he was really going, like I already had my third baseman. You know, He's only third, so it's like mm -hmm. narrow, and he is a reserve guy, right? He was 364 mm -hmm. on average in the mains, so you're putting a one-position guy. I get it. Yeah, right? unless and that's I, what I we really need. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, I mean, pretty much like just everything I said about Jose Miranda, except for playing on the Twins um, and having first-base eligibility, like copy that over for um, Alec Bohm. Like he is a guy that – he makes good zone contact. Um, he's good at for good batting average, but he he needs to raise that launch angle if he's ever going to tap into that power. There is power there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one ten max or one eleven max uh, uh, exit velocity. Um, you know, he swings a lot inside the zone, makes really good contact, um, but it's all on the ground or line drives. Like very little of it goes in the air. He's not gonna like. If, he, if we want him to take another step, it's going to have to be him raising that launch angle um, and, you know, trying to power. And he's in the park to do it in Philadelphia. So it could happen at some point. I just, you know, at this point, he is what he is. I think he's a low 20s homer guy with a good batting average, which is totally fine, especially at a, a, a shallow third base position. But, like, I don't. Uh, until he makes that change. Like, if we start seeing, like, comments, oh, uh, this offseason I'm working on, like, raising my launch angle, then you start, like, okay, highlight circle, like, move him up three or four rounds in the draft. Mm -hmm. um, because if he can do that, then, yeah, I think he's a 25-30 homer, homer bat with a good batting average. No, I, I totally understand that, and I don't think we've seen all of Bohm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is – Prospect growth isn't linear to the. He's 26, so he's not a true prospect yeah. anymore. But it can take some time. He just literally the last game Alec Bohm played, he hit 1,000 plate appearances, and that's generally a given threshold of like, okay, that's a sample to kind of really look at, see where they're at. He's been about a league average guy since then. 
Now, does he take a step forward from here and, and get that lift that you're talking about? Or does he stay as this sort of league average to a little bit above type guy with Alec Bowman? We'll have to see how that goes for the rest of this season and then into draft season, how much people uh, value what he's done. Let's move yep. on and talk about another player named Matt Chapman. We haven't talked about him in a while. He's been rolling. He's another guy that I do not blame anybody who cut him in shallower formats. You gave it, you gave it the old college try, especially if you really waited through the first two months, um, because you know it was a mediocre April, but then things really went south in May, and he was carrying a sub two hundred average into the final days of May. Um, on May twenty seventh, he had a one ninety one average. He got two hits the next day to go to one ninety nine, and then and then kind of took off from there. That who knew that that was like the little uh spark to get him going since may 28th 279 average 350 obp 567 slug with 16 homers 41 ribbies and 43 runs that's a full season of 45 115 and 120 for chapman of course that's crazy but a 58 game sample of just utter destruction for chapman it was so bad to start that he's still only hitting 242 for the year so people might miss how great he's been because he fronted the league two months I love Chapman. He was my second most rostered guy behind Luke Voigt. Uh, that's probably why I'm not winning a ton of leagues with those to be my most rostered guys. But um, they're both actually doing fine. I'm not. I'm not really that upset about about either of them. What do you think of Matt Chap Chapman's resurgence? Do you believe in it? It's interesting because like he's actually making much less zone contact during this stretch, um, but it's not because he's swinging more. Or like swinging inside or outside of the zone more. Um, he's just when he's making contact, the ball's going everywhere uh, or going over the fence. Um, like it's, ball go boom. It's it's really really interesting. It's uh, it's a profile you don't usually see. Mm -hmm. um, I think the problem with a guy like Matt Chapman is he's going to swing and miss so much uh, that uh, he is going to have like these really great hot stretches. He's also going to have some really bad cold stretches. Yep. And you just have to be able to live with him. Um, you know, he's almost a he's he's like a better version of Jonathan Scope, to be honest. Um, that's uh, that's fair. And I, I love Jonathan Scope. Like that's you and know, he's got more power, so he hasn't been as hurt because you know you talked about the the softened mm -hmm. ball and how it would hurt guys like Scope and Candelario who don't quite have that get out of anywhere power, especially in the park that they play in in, in Comerica. It's not it's pretty neutral, but. Um, you know, if you get st stuck in center field at all, you're not hitting homers anywhere there. Uh, Chapman has a little bit more pop than that. So Chapman is kind of a perfect roto guy, right? Because you just, you ride the the waves there. You don't worry about it as much. Head to head, I could see him being a nightmare because those first two months when he's doing nothing for you, he's losing you games at third base. And then these last couple months, he's winning you the week Chapman can when he's, mm -hmm. when he's hitting like five homers and 12 RBIs in a week type deal. So I think he had, you know, there's certain guys that have the big volatile stretches. I think they are better in Roto than head to head. And uh, Chapman, it's, it's usually the guys that have a lot of that swing and miss and the produced yeah. power when they're dialed he, in. The difference between the first two months and the last two um, has really been a change in launch angle. He is trying to put the ball in the air. Um, he has raised his launch angle seven degrees. Um, oh, that's huge. Yeah, and so and and the you know the fly balls have gone up a huge amount. He's over fifty percent fly balls in this stretch. Uh, um, and like so, he's just like saying like, listen, you may strike me out, but if I make contact, it's going in the air and it's going a long way. So, oh, um, far. Yeah. 
So, like, this could easily come crashing back down where all of a sudden he's striking out a 35% clip. But the beauty of Matt Chapman is when he's healthy, he plays every day because his defense is so good. Yep. Um, and that is not going to change in Toronto. Uh, his defense is fantastic. They love having a guy with his kind of glove on that turf uh, in Toronto because it moves so fast. So, yeah, I think um, – yeah. I'm bummed I didn't buy back in on Matt Chapman. I didn't trust the health. Uh, sub, on it. sub 30% K rate, too. As long as he's under 30, I, th I think I think we're in a good spot with Chapman in, there. And his, sw his swing and strike rate during this uh, um, during this hot streak is 10%. I can live with that all day. Yeah. And he I only totally swing outside the zone. He, he's really improved his plate discipline. Yeah. Um, it sounds like he's yeah being more selective on things, and finding his pitch to crush right. And yeah. it's 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 finding that that time where you can really go yard with it, and yeah. he's jumping stuff. So he, I love he's waiting. He's doing. waiting on his pitch, mm -hmm. um, and then and then driving when it comes, which is great. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this is what you want to see from Matt Chapman, and he's just had a, a completely healthy season, which is another thing you wanted to see after kind of a couple you know banged up seasons. Absolutely. Let's finish with a uh, deep league extraordinaire guy, uh, Seth Brown in Oakland. This was somebody I really liked this year for deep league specifically. This was definitely, you know, DC's 15 teamers. This mm -hmm. is my guy. This is one of my guys here. Um, I had the, the bold prediction that he could hit 30 homers. I don't know if he's going to get there, but uh, he has 17. He's on fire right now. Uh, 17 to 99 games. So he had a really bad April. And he hasn't been amazing in May, June, and July since, but three, five, five on the homers in those three months and four, three, and zero on the steals. Zero in July, but seven in May and June combined. The bottom line is 17 homers, eight steals, 237 average, which we've always talked about this year, is not as killer. The sub 300 OBP is bad, 295. I can't, I can't pretend that that's anything but bad, but. If you platoon Brown properly and try to make sure you don't let him face too many lefties, whether you're the A's or a fantasy manager, I think there's something here. He's an 816 OPS against righties, 480 against lefties. You play the schedules, 15-team uh, main event. You can play him in the half weeks like this first half. I would say no because he has Suarez and Sandoval. Second half of the weekend, even though it's all Houston, it's all three righties. So I think Brown has been a great 15-team uh, play this year. What do you think of Seth Brown? And does he have any 12-team viability as he's gotten hot here toward the end of July and into August? Um, again, this is another one of those guys, me see ball, me swing. Um, and uh, then that's what he does. Like, he sees the ball and he, he takes a hack. Um, he does not care if the ball is in the zone or out of the zone. Like, he's going to take a hack, uh, which is why – yeah, which is why the strikeout rate is such a problem um, and why the walk rate is so low because he's like, hey, they, they threw the ball. That means I swing now. Um, Seth, they throw it every time, dude. It's their yeah. job. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, my bad, my bad. Oh, I, I forget. I forget. Um, so, uh, yeah, there are going to be massive ups and massive downs with him. He's in a massive up right now. Uh, you look over the last, you know, or since uh, June 1st, um, you know, 88% zone contact, which is amazing for a power hitter uh, like that, um, you know. Uh, but at the same time, he's swinging outside the zone 36% of the time. He's literally getting up there, and anytime the ball's thrown, he's like, I'm ready to swing, I'm ready to swing, I'm ready to swing. Um, so, you know, and I don't know if, you know, he's one of those guys where 
I think you could ride the hot streak, but you have to jump off really, really fast uh, because that park is bad. Um, that team is really, really bad. God, yes. uh, and he's one of those guys that could easily go through like an O for 18, you know, streak that just With takes your batting average. Yeah, yeah. Like just like, you know, he, he could hit you two home runs in a day and then not have another hit for two weeks. Like it just, he's just one of those guys. So, um, you know, I kind of prefer those guys in DFS because if they, True. you know, they sink me that day, oh, well, like whatever, yeah. I'd rather have him not sink my whole team for a week. Um, uh, but uh, I, in deeper leagues, like, yeah, I drafted him a bunch in DCs too, because like, yeah. you know, he I just was thought he'd gonna, play every day. He's going to play every day. And like, I thought he could go 30, 10 at his best. And he's at, excuse me, 17 and eight so far. So the 10 should get there. I don't know that the 30 will, but I like Seth Brown. Start him against righties as much as you can. If you're in daily league, it's even easier. Deep league play, I totally agree. Or some DFS action there for Seth Breezy uh, on the A's. I think that, by the way, you're gonna you're gonna get me on uh, on the A's this year. Of course, I, the one time I stick my neck out for a crap team, yeah. they have the they're at a three seventy three win percentage. And I was like, "Oh, Justin, they don't, they don't usually tank like this, dude. They're they're mm. not that kind of that not that kind of bottom feeding team when they lose. This will be their worst record if they don't fix this since 1979." It's yeah, not surprising. Um, the only thing that's surprising is that there's a team in Major League Baseball that's worse than them. Um, I know. Like the Nationals have already lost 75 games. Um, Bro, they're so bad. Yeah, because they don't have. They have a hitting park, and they don't have enough hitters to take advantage. Oakland has a pitching park, and they always have some pitchers who can take advantage. So we yeah. talked about Cole Irvin. Paul Blackburn was an all-star. Caprillion's been on on fire of late. Montas was great for them before it got traded. Some relievers have done some things. So I guess that's why they're able to stay even better than and, that And team. they also but have some bad. really bad teams in that division, too, with the True. Angels. They and get the to pick on. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Washington's got the Marlins, right? So True, um, but the Marlins pitching is way better than anything that they oh, yeah. have. Absolutely, so, and yeah, now you traded away your two. You traded away your two best hitters at the break too. So exactly. Like, yeah, the Nats uh, are a disaster. But mm -hmm. anyway, I got to get going. I hope the mouth starts to feel better. You made it through again a little bit. We did the list, but uh, we killed it. We killed it. Yeah, uh, I assume we'll be back Friday unless anything happens yep. with with. Yeah, no, we, yeah, we we should be back Friday. Uh, bright and early episodes for those of you in the Patreon that are uh, watching live. That'll be at like uh, 9 a.m. Eastern, so 6 a.m. Pacific. Perfect. Okay. Good talking right. with you. Talk to you later. Take it easy.